Wisdom in a world gone mad. And the world has gone mad. And we need to be wise, as Jesus said, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We need to know what's going on. We need to be aware that we've been given a heads up. I don't know about you, but I love a heads up. Anybody ever give you a heads up? Heads up! That turn on 45, that's a, that's a tough turn. Heads up! You know, the teacher's mad at you. Heads up! Right? I love, I love heads up. Jesus gave us a heads up as to what we are seeing in the world today. So we are not people who throw up our hands in exasperation and fear. We are people who lift up our eyes for our redemption draws nigh. That's who we are. So I want to start today with a, a story that is funny and it kind of like is going to help open the subject up for us. Because we know something is up. We know something's up. The story goes of a woman who went to the pet store to get cat food. And she uh, walked into the store. There's a parrot in a cage in the front entrance of the store. And the parrot looked at the woman and said, you are the ugliest woman I have ever seen. And she was a bit bothered, but she thought, okay, that's a one and done. So she went about her day and shopped in the store and walked by the pigeon again in the front of the store. And the, and the pigeon, uh, not the, the pigeon, the parrot, <laughs> the parrot said, you are the ugliest woman I've ever seen. She was now officially insulted. She called the manager. She said, this parrot has called me the ugliest woman he's ever seen. And the manager said, oh, he does stuff like that all the time. So he took the parrot out of the cage, brought it to the back, slapped it around a little bit, brought it back outside, put it back into the cage, and the parrot was sitting there, and the woman went and bought her stuff and was exiting the pet store. And as she exited the pet store, she passed by the parrot one last time and looked at him, and the parrot looked at her, and she said, what? And he said, you know. We know. <laughs> we know something is up. Joe Rogan is scared. Joe Rogan is officially freaked out. On his podcast this week, he said, this Israel thing, it scares the bleep out of me. There's no clear way this resolves peacefully. This is bad. This is really bad. Israel is going to go into Palestine. They've already started bombing. And if there's retaliation for that, and who knows what happens if other countries get involved. And it puts into perspective that there's some bleep going on that you're not thinking about because it's not in your life. So if you're a guy like me and you're a comedian like me and you're hanging out at the comedy club and you're doing podcasts, that's our world. Our world is being around people and telling jokes and being funny. Our world is hanging around friends and doing shows. Their world is killing people. End quote. The world has gone mad. And I got good news for you this morning that for the next few weeks, I'm gonna walk you through what we're seeing right now. I find it ironic that for the first you know, 17 years of me pastoring this church, 16 years of me pastoring the church, we're almost 20 years old, um, that I didn't really preach on the end times that much. I really didn't. And now here we are in 2023, in the last three years, I've had to preach three series on the end times, and this is the third one. Something's up. We've got to pay attention to what we are seeing. Jesus told us to watch. Keep awake. Don't fall asleep. And so I'm thinking about our age in which we live and how modern world is primed for the things to come to pass that the scriptures told us would happen. Like in Revelation chapter one, this is not in your notes, but in Revelation chapter one, verse seven, it says, behold, he is coming. 
And, the, and, and every eye, somebody say every eye. Every eye will see him. How does every eye on the planet see Jesus at the same time? Earlier generations didn't have this technology. Israel gets bombed Saturday morning, their time. I'm waking up to watching it in real time. This is the world that we're living in. Previous generations could never have understood how could that passage come to pass. Or Luke chapter 21, 25, when Jesus describes the condition of men's souls. He says there's signs in the sun, moon, stars, and earth, distress of nations, and perplexity, confusion. There's a lot of confusion right now. There's a lot of confusion amongst our young and listen parents and, and grandparents in the faith. You've got a job to do. You have got to instruct your children on the true history of this land. Not this land, their land. You've got to know it. You can't afford to be ignorant. And you've got to speak up because the colleges of this country are pulling the wool over the eyes of the next generation. And if you're not paying attention to that, you need to. What's happening in college campuses? We are seeing the exposure of the indoctrination of, of progressive secularization for generations into the young people of this country. I am astonished, I am appalled at what I'm seeing at Harvard University, at Yale University, in Stanford University, the, the University of Wisconsin. It is shocking and appalling to see kids protesting in favor of rampant terrorism in Israel, all in the name of quote unquote civil rights and they have not a clue what they're talking about. Now here's my commitment to you. On Sunday morning for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk through this with the gospel in our mouths and with Jesus Christ in our eyes. But on Tuesday night, I will continue to give you information as we gather it on my show. And, and I want you to pay attention now more than ever before. In fact, this past week's episode is the most watched episode we've ever had on the deep end. Uh, thanks for tuning in. But I'm doing that because you need to know the facts. I don't do that to get paid. I do that because I, I can't help not doing it. It's gotta be done. So there's perplexity, there's confusion. That's, that's what we're seeing right now. Then he says there's gonna be fainting with fear and there's gonna be foreboding of what's coming on the world. That's right now. I had a grandfather who was a Pentecostal preacher for 30 years and he used to tell us about the end times and we used to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know it's gonna happen and secretly we were like, it's not gonna happen. Now I'm seeing it happen. That's where we are. Or Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 12, verse four. Look at this passage. It says, you, Daniel, shut up the words of the book until the time of the end. But he says this, many will run to and fro. What does that mean? There will be mass travel in the earth. There will be people flying all over the place. Think about it. This was written while people were still riding horses. And most people were walking. In fact, in the ancient world, usually you lived your whole life without traveling more than 30 miles away from home. Today, people go around the world in a second, in a day. He says, and knowledge shall increase. Again, the internet, and not to mention AI. With AI, which is exp exponentially growing in influence in our country right now. My son, my 11-year-old my, my son, Jake, gets it even better than I do. I kid you not, we were talking about a toy that he wanted. He wanted a toy, and he was telling me about this toy. And he said, Dad, I wanna show you something. You don't even have to, you don't have to shop for the toy. I said, what do you mean? He said, let me show you. And he held up his iPad. He took his iPad, he said, and he mentioned a toy, ba 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 He mentioned a toy, just talked about it. 
Then he said, okay, now watch, open the iPad. I open the iPad, he goes, go to Facebook, go to Facebook. There it is, boom, an advertisement for the toy he just mentioned. This is what's happening in our real time with AI, with, internet, with, with, with the algorithms of computer systems, and, and who knows if the dictator beast isn't just one giant computer somewhere, leading the world into oblivion. So lo, don't let me freak you out, because there's hope here. Just six verses later in Daniel chapter 12, what does Daniel say? Through the word of the Holy Spirit, many will purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. Somebody say refined. I don't know about you, but that's what I want right now. I want God to refine me and make me white and prepared for what's coming upon the world. And then he says, but the wicked shall act wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise, those who are what? They shall what? Understand. If you make yourself white, if you look at what's happening in the world, and this is my aim for you for the next few weeks, if we look at what's happening in the world and we take careful attention, we will purify ourselves, we will ready ourselves, and we will have hearts not bound up in fear and foreboding, but we will have hearts and minds full of faith and say, come Lord Jesus, we are ready for you to show up in this world. And the word Maranatha, you might not know, and I don't even have a place for you to fill it in, but you can write it somewhere maybe above the word. It just means come, Lord Jesus. That's what it means. I want Jesus to come. And it gets, it gets more and more that, that way for me, the, the, the more that I see happening in the world. So let's stand together and look about what Jesus said concerning the times we're living in from Luke chapter 17, verse 20. He says this. It says this. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look there or here. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And then he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire, somebody just say that word desire. desire. You will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, while you're looking for the days of the Son of Man, they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man returns. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, one taken, the other left. There will be two grinding grain, women grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak. We need you. I need to say what you want to say to your people and guard my mouth from saying anything that you don't want me to say. 
We humble ourselves before your word, and we ask that we have hearts that are filled with hope and faith and minds that are filled with wisdom and understanding. And help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat at every location. So Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's having an interesting conversation with people. Jesus always had strange conversations because he's God the Son. And he doesn't talk to us the way we talk to us. Jesus doesn't say things we expect. Jesus says what we don't expect. That's kind of what makes me know he's talking to me. When, when I hear God say something that I don't want to hear, come on somebody, that tells me a little bit, that might be God. I get a kick out of people who say, God told me, and when I tell me what God told them, it's always something that I would expect them to say to themselves. <laughs> because sometimes we, we, just, we just slap the God told me tag on what we want. God told me that I'll be married by the end of the year. I've seen guys do this in the church. I've seen, I've seen ugly dudes do this in the church. They walk up to a beautiful young lady and say, God told me you're going to be my wife. And the poor girl's like, does God hate me? When you're having a conversation with God and God tells you what you don't expect, you know, that, that just might be God. The Pharisees come to Jesus in verse 20. They want to know when's the kingdom of God coming. Now, the amazing thing is that Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God. And John the Baptist first says that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus shows up that the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. Then he starts doing the works of the kingdom of God, casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. The signs of the kingdom are starting to show up. The Pharisees are not really interested in what Jesus has to offer. They want a physical, material kingdom. They want the glory days of David back. David brought Israel to the pinnacle of success. They were the superpower of the world around 900 BC. Solomon, his son, brings incredible wealth and prosperity to the nation. And it's all downhill from there because no nation in history has handled success and wealth well. Uh, case in point, America right now. And so they want that back. They want the glory days back. When's the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus responds and he says, the kingdom is not coming in that way. It's not going to be a political movement. It's not going to be a governmental solution. It's not going to be people ruling over other people. The kingdom of God is not observable with your eye, but it will dwell in the midst of you. He says in the next verse, you don't say, look, there it is, or, or there it is. This building is not the kingdom of God. Okay, churches are not the kingdom of God. Rome is not the kingdom of God. Water church is not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. And he rules and reigns in hearts that are surrendered to him. That's the kingdom of God. It is an unseen reality, but it is real. And it is present. And so he tells this to the Pharisees. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm positive that they're, they're discouraged by his answer. They're, they're disappointed. They wanted political revolution. And he says, no, that's not what I've come for. I've come to work in the hearts and minds of those whom I have called to myself. That's the kingdom of God. Then look at verse uh, 22. 
because it says he said, to the, he said to the disciples. Now, this is what Jesus always does, and this is why I love Jesus. Because critics came with a question, and he answered their question, and then he took the opportunity of that critical moment to turn to his disciples and then teach them. I love that. He never wasted an opportunity to teach his people. And, and, and that's just like, for your own sake, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a disciple of Jesus, can I tell you, he wants to teach you in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the confusion. So he turns to the disciples. He says, this is a good, this is a good chance to tell my followers some things that they gotta be ready for. He says, look, the days are coming when you, the followers of Jesus, will desire, you'll long, you'll want, you'll hope for, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be anxious for, you'll be longing for. One of the days that we're living in right now, Jesus was walking the earth and healing the sick and raising the dead and, and casting out demons and, and walking on water and feeding the thousands with bread and he was doing miracles and he was protecting the disciples from, from the onslaught of critics and he was setting them out with power and authority and all these amazing miracles happened. In fact, so many miracles happened with Jesus that John the Apostle says that the whole world couldn't contain the books of records of what Jesus did. He says, this, this is gonna come a time where you're gonna hope for that. You're gonna long for that. But look what he says at the end and you won't see it. There's gonna be times when you hope that I come back and I won't come back. And that's kind of where we are right now. That's kind of where I am right now. Like, Lord Jesus, come. I find myself saying this on a regular basis. Maybe you can join me with that idea. Maybe you, maybe you join me in this idea. You don't have to say it after me, but I just kind of find myself saying, uh, Lord Jesus, how bad does it have to get? How, how much worse does the world have to get? Since the past four years, it's been absolute chaos. And all the while, our governmental leaders kept telling us, keep telling us, everything is awesome. It's like the Lego movie. <laughs> you can't afford eggs, but everything is awesome. Two wars have broken out in two different countries, but everything is awesome. Like enough of the propaganda and lies and manipulation. The world is, is chaotic and a mess. Up is down. Left is right. Isaiah said, woe to the people that call evil good. And that's what's happening right now. Evil is good. Sexual confusion is good. A, a man can become pregnant, according to the experts. And don't get me started on the experts. The experts are a bunch of fools. They've gone to so much schooling, their brains fell out. They've overused them. The stem has been broken between their, their brain and their body. I, I mean, I'm just amazed that we live through a global pandemic of a disease, of a disease so terrible, so life-threatening, that you had to get tested to see if you had it. <laughs> and a vaccine so effective that you had to be forced to take it. That bizarro world is here. Bizarro world, where everything is upside down. I want to see Jesus show up and set everything right side up again. We, that's what we need. That's what we're looking for. That's the cry of the person who's hoping that a new politician will fix everything. I need the world to be made right. I need things to make sense again. I was having a conversation last night before service with one of our band members. I won't tell you who. He works in the public school system. He says, it's crazier than ever before. It's nuts, and I don't know what to say. I said, you gotta speak up. You have to say something. Because the nonsense is not getting, the spigot has been wide open for years now. 
And the flood of confusion has come into the ears of our young people. So in the midst of that longing, and in the midst of that hoping that Jesus would come back, a couple of warnings about, about what not to do. Three wrong approaches to the end times. Write these down. Three wrong approaches. This is what you don't do, okay? Wrong approaches to the end times. Number one, or letter A, prediction. We don't make predictions. And you don't listen. Listen very carefully to people who make predictions. Here's what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 24, he says, but concerning the day or the hour, no one knows. The angels of heaven don't know. He says, I don't even know. Only the Father knows. Now, right now, some of you are saying, well, how can the Father and the Son be one and the Father knows something that the Son doesn't know? I don't know. <laughs> That's above my pay grade. I am commanded to tell you what Jesus tells me clearly to tell you. The rest I leave in God's hands. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Some of you gotta go read that verse someday. Uh, it says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. There are some things that God says, I'm not telling you. And we have to live in the mystery because a God that you can completely understand is a God of your own making. I can't understand everything about this God, but I do know this. He told me, no one knows. No one knows. Then he says in verse 42, that same chapter, he says, therefore, stay awake. Somebody say, stay awake. Stay just awake. tap your neighbor and say, stay awake. He's just getting started. He's got about 30 minutes more of preaching. Just stay awake. <laughs> you don't know the day he's coming. The day the Lord's coming. Let her be. Panic. We don't panic. We don't, we don't freak out. We don't throw up our hands in exasperation. We lift up our eyes in expectation. We don't panic, but we do prepare. We don't get worried, but, but we get washed. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul says to the Thessalonians, because this is nothing new, by the way, predictions and, and scaring people. He says, don't be easily shaken, 2 Thessalonians 2.2. Don't be easily shaken. Oh, I wish some Christians would get that into their hearts. Some of you are so easily shaken. You're so easily stirred up. I'm not afraid this morning. I am excited this morning to teach you these things so that you have wisdom for the end of the world. It's not fear that drives me. It's compassion and pastoral care. But don't be easily shaken. Don't be alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has begun. Don't believe them. And then you look at this, even if they claim, oh, would you pay attention, TBN watchers, pay attention here, TBN people, don't listen to them even if they say they've had a special vision. <laughs> or a revelation, or a letter from us. And then letter C, disregard. At the same time, you don't want to panic, you also don't want to disregard this. Over and over and over again, we're told about what to expect so that we know when it shows up, there it is. But Peter says there's going to come a time where half the church will be, you know, just kind of like, yeah. It says this in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, or 3, verse 3. It says that in the last days, there'll be coming people, and they'll say, they'll, say, um, they'll be scoffers, and they'll be following their own evil desires, and they'll say, where is the promise of his coming, verse 4? And ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they are from the beginning. Now, when he says that they're going to say the fathers fell asleep, these are people who are confessing Christians, these are, these are not, listen to me very carefully about this passage. It's so important that you get, Peter is not describing unbelievers here. He's describing confessing Christians. And, and, and Jesus backs this up. Well, Jesus is the one who instigated the idea. Jesus tells us that in the last days, before the Son of Man comes, the church would be like ten virgins. Five will be foolish and five will be wise. 
And the foolish ones won't have oil. That's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. They'll reject the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of you came from a church where they reject the work of the Holy Spirit. And you look back on that church today, and it's a dead, dying church. That's why we preach the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's why we invite you to First Tuesday so that you can experience the Holy Spirit power in your life. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not going to be ready when Jesus comes. And that foolish church, which there are some churches, they believe the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. That's what some churches believe. <laughs> they just ignore the Holy Spirit. We don't ignore the Holy Spirit. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We hunger for the Holy Spirit. We want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our bodies, in our lives. You know what you need right now? You need the Holy Spirit. You don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit. He says, and, and, and Jesus says, so they're going to fall asleep because they don't have oil in their lamps. And the bridegroom's going to show up and they're going to say, give us oil. And it's too late. Jesus is describing the church. The church, half the church is going to be sleeping when Jesus returns. That's the warnings. So in this passage, now we have the instruction. And I want to talk to you on how to long for his return the right way. And, and they're kind of parallel, but they're a little bit different with the first three things that I just shared with you. Here's number one. Don't be gullible. Wisdom will lead to discernment. Discernment protects you from lies that the gullible fall for. This is the heart of, listen to the heart of your Savior. Don't listen to me. I want you to listen to the heart of your Savior. This is your shepherd, Jesus. He says in verse 23, and when you're longing, because remember in verse 22, he says, the days are coming when you're going to long for me to return. But when that happens, and you're saying to yourself, oh, I wish Jesus would just show up. Okay, remember this. They will say to you, look there or look here. And I love this line from Jesus. Don't go out or follow them. In modern social media vernacular, unfollow them and block them. Well who, well, who are you talking about? I'm talking about any self-professed prophet who thinks he knows. Enough. What would you do? It's, it's football season. And I'm not talking about anybody particularly on the football field today, so please understand that. What would you do with a quarterback who could never connect with a receiver? Cut him. It's baseball playoff season. What would you do with a baseball player who has never gotten on base one single time. Cut him. Yeah, this basketball's about to start up. What would you do with a basketball player who, though he shoots a thousand shots, he misses the rim every single time? Cut him. Okay. 2,000 years of church history. Thousands of predictions and self-proclaimed prophets and date setters about the return of Christ. And their batting average is exactly zero. They have never hit the rim. They have never connected on a pass. They have lost every single time. So as this comes about right now, please don't be gullible and follow people because there's a lot of money to be made on your fears. In 1987, I can remember this because I was around. 
1987, there was a guy named Edgar Wisenhunt. He was a NASA, former NASA engineer, and he wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ Would Return in 1988. He sent 300,000 copies to pastors around the country. He, that was a marketing campaign, because he knew if he could get the pastors to read it, the people would buy it. 4.5 million copies were, were sold. The guy became a millionaire. And in case you were wondering, Jesus did not return in 1988. Not to be dissuaded, he wrote another book in 1989 called Rapture Report 1989. And I am amazed. I want to know who bought the second book. Where are these morons? Please show them to me. Heaven have mercy. What are you, nuts? And he wrote two more books out of that. He died in 2001. He was a liar. And he profiteered on people's gullibility. Now, I never mention names of current pastors and prophets, very rarely from the stage, but I'm going to break my rule today because there's a small sliver of you, and not a lot of you are going to even know who I'm talking about, but there's a small sliver of, every, of Waters Church that listens to this person. His name is Benny Hinn. And two weeks ago, Benny Hinn, and you can go watch the video yourself. It's on YouTube. It's still there. I'm amazed it's still there. Two weeks ago, he was on his channel saying, I believe that in two weeks there will be peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Okay. Enough is enough. Enough is enough, Hinnites. Stop. You know what the Old Testament said about a prophet who makes predictions and then it doesn't come true? You know what it said? Stone him. Put him to death. Now, we don't do that anymore. But we should cut them off, cut them out of our life. Enough. By the way, the next week he was on the stage asking for $10,000 donations from people. This is, this is what the church has devolved to because people don't have wisdom for the end of the world. They don't, have, they don't listen to what Jesus said to listen to. Who do we listen to? Who, who? Pastor, who do I listen to? Me. Now, I don't say that to brag. I say that because Scripture says this. Hebrews chapter 13 says, remember your leaders. Well, who, what leaders? Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. I'm just sharing with you the Bible. I am not propping myself up. I am not telling you that I am perfect. I'm not telling you that I'm the I Chi. I'm not a self-proclaimed prophet. I'm a pastor, and I have a duty to, to, to rightly divide the word of God according to 1 Timothy and make sure that I've studied to show myself approved and then to give you the word of God as the Lord has revealed it in Holy Scripture. That's my job. By the way, we have other pastors. We have other leaders in this church. I'm so excited about these, these men. These are mighty men of God in every location that the Lord has raised up for your health and your faith. Listen to them. You say, well, I don't like that one. Well, then use the other one. There's, there's several pastors. You don't have to like all of them. Okay, and I don't even like some of them. I won't tell you who. But then, you know what I'm saying? No, I do like, I like them all. But you know what I'm saying? He's like, everybody should have, you know, we gotta have somebody that you listen to that's in your local assembly, local people. We have Pastor Shane and Pastor Chris and Pastor Jody here in North Attleboro, and we Pastor Tom in, in Apollo Beach, and Pastor Jim in Woonsocket, Pastor Medi in South Coast, Pastor Josh down in Traveler's Rest, and, and Pastor Brandon, who was here last week, did such a wonderful job. We have wonderful, fantastic pastors at Waters Church. Amen, somebody. Amen. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said, who's the wise and faithful servant 
whom his master has set over his household. Now, the church is the household of God, and Jesus sets wise and faithful servants over the household. And here's their job, to give them, underline this, to give them their food at the proper time. Why are we talking about end times? Because of what happened this past week. So we have to give you food that is commensurate with what's happening in the world. What's happening now? Well, let me address that from a biblical perspective. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing so when he comes. We have a brand new ministry at Waters Church. It's called Waters Church Helps, starting it right now. And we have a website devoted to helping you. Go to waterschurch.org slash waterschurch.org slash help. We'll put this picture up on the screen. It's a brand new website. We have a marriage and family pastor, uh, Jody Bowden. Pastor Jody has moved from Waters Kids into marriage and family pastoring. He's getting a counseling uh, certificate. Other pastors are getting counseling certificates so that we can counsel you in the word of God. We don't do counseling, we do biblical counseling. Biblical counseling, and there is a big difference. Okay, so if you are, and, and by the way, there's a whole section there on mental health. Because I know it's something that everybody says, mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health. Okay, wonderful, let's talk about mental health from a biblical perspective. Because this is gonna wreck some of you, these times that we live in. And we have a heart for you, and we wanna give you there, we wanna give you your food at the proper time. So if you have any need whatsoever, and in every location, watershirts.org slash help. Jesus says to the disciples, look, you don't follow people because here's what's gonna happen in verse 24. As lightning flashes up the sky, poof, that's how it's gonna be when, his, when the Son of Man comes. So you've got to be ready. Number two, don't get caught up in the world. Don't be, don't be gullible and don't get caught up in the world and its nonsense. And, and, and I think that this is more important than anything because the world will get its tentacles in you. It will, wrap the, it will wrap your heart up in the cares of this world. And Jesus talks about that. He'll talk about the dissipation and the, and the cares of this world that, that will bring some people away from the kingdom. He says in verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah. And then he says in verse 28, as it was in the days of Lot. Now, I've read about these days. They're in the first book of your Bible, the book of Genesis. They're in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 19, respectively. And they are two different ages, the days of Noah, and then a couple of hundred years later, the days of Lot. And these were bad times, in case you haven't read the stories. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that the heart of man was so wicked that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. That's Genesis chapter 6, 5. And the days of Lot were filled with violence, were filled with rampant homosexuality and inhospitality and, and a neglect of the poor. Isaiah talks about the, the inhospitableness of the sodomites and the disregard for the poor. And Genesis talks about the homosexuals coming and banging on Locke's door to have sex with the angels. In fact, it was so unsafe, it was so unsafe in Sodom that when the angels first show up, you, you know this story, they, they show up and they're just gonna spend the night in downtown Sodom. And Lot sees them and knows that they're angels and he says, you can't stay here. They said, no, no, we're fine. He says, no, you're not. You need to come and stay with me. The downtown area of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were filled with crime. Hello, somebody. As it was in the days of Lot, 
as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Our cities are unsafe. This, this is what's happened now. Now, now, the amazing thing is the next, the next descriptor that Jesus gives us in verse 27. Look what he says. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. By the way, in the days of Noah, they redefined marriage as well. You can read about that your own, on your own. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day, until the day that Noah entered the ark. It also says this about the days of Lot. It says, in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Now, put it together. The days of Lot and the days of Noah were, were very dark, evil days. Cities were unsafe. Um, rampant sexual immorality was propagated and celebrated in the culture. And yet Jesus says that the people had in those days and will have in his, the days of his return, the people will have a la-di-da attitude about it all. They'd just be going through life. Just, well, it's just the way the world now. It's just how it's going. That's just how it is now. Well, that's just the way. We gotta get with the times. Because la-di-da, 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 until doom. That's what happened. They were going about their lives regularly in heinous, evil, wicked times. Now, I say all that to say this. That's the descriptor for the end times. Some people don't get it. They're not going to get it. They're never going to get it. And they're just going to go, la-di-da, and tiptoe through the roses as literal hell comes upon their civilizations. And when you see that happen, lift up your eyes, for your redemption draws nigh. On the flip side, write this down, it's going to pinch a little bit. You are not ready for the return of the Lord when this world's ways don't bother you anymore. Some of you Christians, listen up. You're playing with the devil. You're playing with this world. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your children. It's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you your marriage. You need to wash yourself. You need to get right with God. You need to repent. You need to turn. You need to confess your sins. You need to come clean. I don't say this to judge you. I, I say this to spare you. The, the Bible says where sin increases, grace increases all the more. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But ladies and gentlemen, Waters Church, people in the church, Christians, listen to me anywhere on, on YouTube. Listen to me. If you're not bothered by what you see in the world, you're not ready for what, what, when the Lord returns. You've got to watch what you're putting in your eyes. You've got to watch what you're letting into your house. You've got to watch what you're putting into your body. You know, we have, we have churches in, in New England and we have churches in Florida. And they're very different states. But I would like to say something. If there is one bit of New England communism that I'd like to bring down to Florida. <laughs> Stay with me. It is car inspections. You all know how you gotta get the sticker on your car every two years, right? or one year, I think it's two years in Rhode Island and it's one year in Massachusetts, yeah? It's a pain. Raise your hand if you hate that date. I hate that date. My father used to have a strategy. He used to wait until the day after it was expired and then go and get his sticker. I said, Dad, why'd you do that? He goes, because every 12 years I get a free inspection year. I'm like, it's like $15, Dad, like really? 
It's like a dollar a year. I'll give you the 15 bucks. Go get your car inspector. Let's go. Anyway, I think it's like 55 now. But anyway, down in Florida, no car inspections. And, and, and let me tell you something. They need it. Some of those cars are not roadworthy. Listen, some Christians are not heavenworthy. Not ready. Not, some Christians are not heaven ready. They're not ready for the return of Jesus. It's time for an inspection. How's your oil level? How's your Holy Spirit level? Are you filled up? Are you topped off? Are you a quart low? <laughs> Are you feeling a quart low? As Mater says in the movie Cars. Amen. How's your, how's your tires? How's your alignment? Are you veering off to the left, to the right? Are your gauges working? Are there lights on the dash that you're ignoring? You gotta pay attention to the signs of the time. You gotta get your car ready because heaven's coming. Heaven, Jesus is coming. I wanna be ready. Blessed is the servant whom the master finds ready. Verse 31, he says, on that day, let the one who's in the housetop not go down and get his stuff. In other words, forget about this world. You know, when you see stuff like this happening in Israel, it's God saying, detach. Detach. Some of you are not in flagrant, blatant sin, but you're growing, attaching. You're attaching yourself to the American dream, to the good life the things of this world. It's not, a bad, it's not a sin to have good things, but it's a sin to grip them with every might of your fist and say, no, this is my life. God gives good things in your life. You just hold it open-handed like that. That's how you're supposed to hold it. Thank you, Lord. But if tomorrow you remove this and give me something, thank you, Lord. Open-handed living is the only way to be ready for the kingdom of God to return, for Jesus to return. He says, remember Lot's wife. You remember Lot's wife? This is the story. What a, what a shocking statement for Jesus to make in the middle. Remember, we don't even know her name because her name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's why we don't know her name. And remember, Lot, what was the story? Well, the, the story of Lot is that even Lot, at one point, the angels are like, we gotta get going. Lot's like, well, just a little longer. We gotta get going. We can hear the sulfur coming. And Lot's like, well, maybe. And they literally have to take Lot by the hand and yank him out of the house because he had gotten so attached to Sodom. They pull him out. They're on the way to Zoar. The Bible says this, that his wife stopped and looked back. And she became a pillar of salt. Now, we all think that that's a fair, some people, not we, but many people, oh, that's a fairy tale. Do you know that a couple of months ago, they did excavation of where they think Sodom and Gomorrah are? They found out that in the earth crust, down deep in the layers, there's a layer of sodium chloride, a thin layer of sodium chloride, right about the time of this disaster in Genesis 19. You know what sodium chloride is? Salt. She stopped, the sulfur came, and she was caked in the salt that destroyed the cities. I always love it when archaeology catches up to the Bible. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fable. This is a warning sign for anybody who would hear the Lord Jesus is coming. Get your heart right. Get your life right. Get your kids saved. Come to church. Get involved. Be the, be the people of God. That's what this is about. It's my job to get you ready. 
If you're full of this world, you'll be full of the worries of this world. Write that down. If you're full of this world, you'll, you'll be full of the worries of this world. So you got to be careful of what the attachments. Some of you guys, alcohol is not a sin, but you're drinking too much. So, so, some of you, you you're, you're, you're too involved in all kinds of things in the community. You're too involved. Your kid is not going to be the next quarterback for the New England Patriots. i got news for you. But you're, you're ready to travel over land and sea and pay thousands of dollars. But you give the kingdom nothing. That's a shame. You've got to get your priorities in order. These are serious things. Number three, don't miss God's plan for your life. Don't be gullible. Don't get caught up in the world. And this is my favorite point. Don't miss God's plan for your life. Hear the heart of your, your, your shepherd Jesus. This is your shepherd Jesus speaking about the return. He's just talked about as the days of Lot, the days of Noah, so it will be in my return. And then he says this in verse 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. So let go. But whoever loses his life will keep it. Okay. Everybody is gonna lose their life. It's just a matter of whether or not you did it beforehand. Lose your life now and you'll gain it. In other words, die to self and you will live to God. The scripture says in Colossians, sit your eyes on things above where Christ is seated. Sit your heart on things above. For, for Christ, who is your life, will return, and you will also appear with him in glory. See, see you, you've got to lose what you think you need. You've got to lose the life that you think you, sh you deserve. You, some of you, I wish that the 20-plus to 30-plus people will listen to this part of the message more than anyone. Let go of your plan for your life. Let go of what you think God should do for you and surrender to what you want God to do. What, what, what God wants to do, not what you want. What God wants to do in you and through you. I don't believe in happenstance. I don't believe in chance. I don't believe in luck. And I don't believe in good fortune. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I believe that God has ordered my steps according to his goodwill and purposes. I believe that every day of my life was written in his book before one of them came to be. I believe that God is working in all things for my good because I'm called not to be more like me. I'm called to be more like him. I'm called to lay down my life and say, Jesus, have my life and have your way with my life. That's my calling. That's my plan. So everything that comes in my life, everything that happens, I can look at it and say, that's the hand of God shaping me. That's the hand of God directing me. That's the hand of God leading me. And there's nothing in all creation that can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So if you have your notes out, one last thing I want you to write down. If God has your life, he will instruct and protect it. And he will deliver you. But the question of the day is, does he have your life? Or do you have it?
Who's, who's driving the car? Who's in, who's in charge? If, if God is your co-pilot, the old, the old saying says, change seats. In fact, just get yourself to the back of the plane. Some of you are like, well, I gave God control of my life. He's, he's definitely in the driver's seat. Yeah, but are you a backseat driver? Always telling him what you think needs to happen. Let go. Let go of what you want. Surrender your life to him. And I can't tell you where it's going to go, but I know it's going to go eventually to be with him.